The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. After Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who had betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of his soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom are you looking for? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am he. Judas, who had betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you were looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that has been spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave to me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup the father has given me? So the soldiers, their officer, and the Judean police arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they took him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Cepheus, the high priest that year. Cepheus, who was the one who had advised the Judean leadership that it was better to have one person die for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Jesus was standing outside the gate. So the other disciples disciple who was known to the high priest went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, you are not also one of the man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slave and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I've spoken openly to the world. I've always taught in the synagogues and the temple where all the Judeans come together. I've said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them and they know what I said. When he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is this how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Anna sent him bound to Cepheus, the high priest, Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose 
ear Peter had cut off asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the cock crowed. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, what accusations do you bring against this man? They answered, if this man was not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Judeans replied, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he was when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Judeans? Jesus answered, did you not, did you ask this on your own or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Judean, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Judeans. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate answered him, Pilate asked him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, what is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Judeans again and told them, I find no case against him. But you have a custom that I release someone to you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Judeans? They shouted in reply, not this man, but Barbarus. Now Barbarus was a bandit. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, and the, sol- and the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Judeans, and striking him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, here is the man. When the chief priests and the police saw him, they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, take him yourself and crucify him. I find no case against him. The Judeans answered him, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has claimed to be the son of God. Now, when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters again and asked Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, do you refuse to speak to me? Do you know that I have power to release, release you and power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given 
you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him. But the Judeans cried out, if you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at the place called the Stone Pavement, or in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. He said to the Judeans, here is your king. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate asked them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but the emperor. Then he handed him over to be crucified. So they took Jesus and carried the cross by himself. He went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him. And with the two others, one on either side with Jesus between them, Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Judeans. Many of the Judeans read the inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Judeans said to Pilate, do not write the King of the Judeans, but... This man said, I am king of the Judeans. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scriptures say, says. They divide my clothes among themselves, and for my clothes they cast lots. And that's what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, the Judeans did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because the Sabbath was a day of great solemnity. So they asked Pilate 
to have the legs of the crucified men broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this testified, so that you also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so the scriptures might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says, they will look on the one whom they have pierced. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, make these words more than words, give us all the spirit of Jesus. Amen. The Holy Spirit testifies saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. There are children on our border. Have you heard? There are children on our border. Politicians from both sides of the aisle are posturing. Some are sincere in their beliefs. Some are pandering. It's hard to know sometimes who to believe, who to trust. But what we all agree upon is that there are children at our border and more are coming. What are we to do? A couple of weeks ago, I was talking with a friend who's an Episcopal priest, and we both spoke about how tired we are of having to bring the news into our sermons. We discussed ways of not doing so. We thought about ways of taking a break from sermons based on the 24-hour news cycle. We simply cannot keep up, and the rage machine that is social media may not be the voice of the Holy Spirit after all. She's there, and maybe she's speaking, but what does she sound like? Does she tweet? Maybe. I keep looking for her. I keep listening for her. She's not silent and I'm not deaf, but I think I'm discovering that I'm not accustomed to hearing her voice. But the author of Hebrews is. They know what she sounds like. The Holy Spirit testifies. Hold on to that phrase with me for a moment. The Holy Spirit testifies. She then proceeds, according to the author of Hebrews, to tell the church who they are. They are the one with the law on their hearts, their minds. Their sins are forgiven. There's no need for sacrifice any longer. This is her testimony. Then our intrepid author begins to tell the church what they should do. It reminds me a little of what it's like when a church, church growth consultant shows up to tell you how to improve all your programs. But this time the consultant actually tells you the truth. 
This is what you should do, O church. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hold fast to hope. Provoke one another to love and good deeds. Meet together. Wear a mask and don't touch your face, but be community. Encourage one another. That's all. The fruit of the Spirit's testimony looks like this. That's all it looks like. It doesn't cower in fear from enemies real or imagined. It doesn't give up when things inevitably get hard. Instead, it looks like all of this, especially as you see the day approaching. And we are always to see the day approaching. It is always upon us. Good Friday reminds us that it is both the end and the beginning spiraling around one another to fashion the now. Even in such a time as this, the Spirit testifies. In times when we don't know how to trust, in times when fear guides much of what we do, when hope feels like a rarity, when all we can do is bow down before the cross and grieve, the Holy Spirit still testifies. She testifies to hope. She testifies to love and good deeds. She testifies to the power of community. She testifies to encouragement. She testifies to faith. She testifies to forgiveness. She testifies to us, the church, so that we might not forget who we are even on Good Friday, maybe especially on Good Friday, when God in Christ Jesus dies and many of the followers of Jesus go into hiding. There are children on our border. And that's not all. There are black people being killed by the police. Asian Americans are increasingly the target of hate crimes. The suicide rate among LBGTQ people is alarmingly high. The wealth gap in our nation is widening. The list goes on and on and on and social media is enraged. It's hard to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. In the face of so much, it might be easier to hunker down and wait it all out. But that's not who we are. The Holy Spirit testifies. Will we respond? 